Welcome to Grace on the Go. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. This episode is a sermon from Sunday, August 6, 2023, called The Family Prayer, Protection and Deliverance, given by Pastor Chris Simmons. The scripture passage highlighted for today's sermon comes from the book of Hebrews, chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. God's grace, mercy, and peace are yours through His Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Again, you can follow along your bulletin. There's some blanks that you can fill in, but we're still finishing up this sermon series, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So, so Ben, back there, and then I think it's Aubrey. I have a video coming up, just so you know. Don't play it just yet. But in this video, I want to let you know it's a very profound theological video on temptation, how it affects us and how, how it attracts us to it. So I want you guys to all watch this together. So we'll dim the lights a little bit because it's a kind of dark one. Very good. All right, let's go ahead and let's watch this video together. No! Harry, no! Don't look at the light! I can't help it. It's so beautiful. That's it. (laughs) That's a profound theological moment. That's what temptation seems to do to us, right? We can't help it. It's so beautiful. We can't help but seem to be attracted to it. How How is it drawing us in? What leads us to it? And then what happens? right? We feel that aftershock. We feel the consequences. I really wish maybe I didn't fall into temptation, right? So we we get this prayer and we get it from Jesus, right? This kind of this last part that he really hammers home. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. We talked about a little bit in the beginning. So if we're asking God not to lead us into temptation, it somehow seems to imply, well, hold on. Does that mean God is leading me into temptation and I have to pray against it? Well, let's kind of go through a checklist about who and what is leading us maybe into temptation to clarify that. So you get this right away in James chapter 1, right? Verse 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. So can you check off next set? Does God, is God the one that leads us into temptation? No, very good, right? God is not, I'll, I'll let him preach next, right? So God is not the one, right, that leads us into temptation, right? We definitely have that idea. So God's not the one that leads us into temptation. So who's next on your list? Who's the one that leads you into temptation? Maybe it's the devil, right? That's where we'd go next. It's Satan, right? Meaning like the tempter. So we would go with that. And that's kind of why we picked that Genesis 3 reading for you. Taking a look at like the original sin, the original temptation. And we had that all in the reading, but to abbreviate it real quick for you, what kind of happens in Genesis 3 is there they are, Adam and Eve, standing in front of the tree. And I think that's important for you to know. Standing in front of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And you get like this cartoonish aspect of like a a snake that's in the tree. That's kind of what we always see in like the children's Bibles that's wrapping its slithery, slimy tail around a piece of fruit. And it's talking to Eve, saying, did God say you couldn't eat from, from any tree in the garden? So she goes to kind of correct him at first. No, no, God said that we, we could eat from any tree in the garden except for this one. And he's like, or we will surely die even if we touch the fruit. And Satan says, you will not surely die. In fact, if you eat of this fruit, you will be more like God. Does that sound like an upgrade? Yeah, that sounds like an upgrade. I, I'm, I'm, I'm in, right? I'd like to be more like God. So she takes from the tree, and I like how it says, and it looks like it was good food to eat, but more than that, um, I think it's ESB translation, whichever one I was reading says this, and it was desirable for gaining wisdom. Uh-oh, right? It was desirable for gaining wisdom, so she ate of it, and she handed it to her husband, and he ate of it too. 
right? So we get this idea of Satan, right? He's the great tempter. But here's the thing, right? Here they are in front of the tree. What we don't read is that Satan, he shoved the fruit into their mouth, grabbed their jaw, and moved it up and down for them, forcing them to eat it. We don't read that, right? So we get all of a sudden, lead us not into temptation. We have Satan here. And the way that I kind of talk about those temptations when we talk about the devil or Satan is it's this. What he likes to do is affirm in us our own bad ideas, He likes to affirm in us our own bad ideas. If you can go to the next slide, I have a definition of temptation for you. Got us from a book over here, John R. Webb, Ph.D. over at Texas Tech. He says this from the Community, Family, and Addiction Sciences Division over here. Temptation is a desire to engage in short-term urges for enjoyment that threatens long-term goals. That's not too bad. Right? You can kind of see that. You kind of level with it a little bit. To, I'm gonna give it, I'll give it a little Christian twist on there for you, right? That the devil, what he does is he urges us, right? He affirms our short-term urges that take us away from our long-term relationship with God, right? He affirms our short-term urges that want us to turn away our backs to our long-term relationships with God. And it looks like all sorts of things, a variety of shape and sizes. Temptation comes in all sorts of ways to us as we are the ones that often will lead ourselves to it. For me, personally, it looks a lot more like this, right? Mm, I'm going to tell you a story real quick. So this is the best pizza that you can buy. It's frozen pizza, by the way. So uh, a few years ago, uh, we, well, way, way, way long time ago, my wife and I, we live in Chicago. We would eat these. These are home run-in pizzas. In Chicago, home run-in is a pizzeria. It's around all over the place. You can go to the restaurant, and it's just fine. You order it, and they make it fresh there, and that's, that's okay. But I'm telling you, for some reason, when you go to a grocery store in Illinois, and you buy these out of the freezer section, they're way better. I mean, you bake them at home. Don't eat them frozen. They're way better, though. When you bake them at home, it's like, oh, man. So when we, we would dance at the dance studio, sometimes we'd be dancing for like 15 hours a day. And I'm telling you what, we would eat these almost every night, like five times a week, sometimes one each. And it would not make a dent in our waistline. Things are very different now, right? But it, it would not make a dent. So we'd eat these every day. And so we moved to Idaho, right? We moved to Idaho. We're in Twin Falls. And then we go to the grocery store, and you'll never guess what happens. We go to Fred Meyer's. We go to Smith's, and there is no home run-in pizza. No home run-in pizza. We're only a week here in Idaho, and I'm like, honey, I think we've got to turn back. Because I don't think we're going to make it. But frozen home run-in pizza. So a few years go by, right? We have no frozen home run-in pizza. And then we, we come to Pocatello. And finally, you know, school started, everything's like that. But I have a weekend free, and it's my wife's birthday coming up. I'm like, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to find out anywhere on this side of the Mississippi River that sells frozen home run and pizza. And I'm going to drive there because I have the weekend free. I was going to bring a cooler. I was going to pack it full of dry ice. And I was going to haul out to maybe Phoenix, Arizona, somewhere in California, maybe Wyoming, anywhere. And I was going to full, fill, I was going to get like a pallet. I was going to fill up this huge cooler full of home run and pizza. So I'm like, okay, I'm ready. I go to Google. I'm like, where in the United States, <laughs> right, can I buy frozen home run and pizza? And you know what comes up? Pocatello, Idaho. And I'm like, no. The Albertsons in Pocatello, Idaho. So here I am like, what? So I, I drive to the Albertsons in Pocatello, Idaho, and there it is in the freezer section, glowing. Oh, this angelic halo around it. So I take four pizzas out of there, and I buy them, and I take them home. And I'm like, a truck must have gotten lost on the route, right? There is no way. In all our time here in Idaho, we've never found frozen home run in pizza. It's the best pizza you could buy, by the way right? And I'm like, okay. So I go back a week later, 
just to see if, if it's restocked. And you know what? It was restocked. I'm giving you the best kept secret in Pocatello, Idaho. <laughs> that the Albertsons has frozen home run in pizza. We're a meat lovers kind of family, right? So it's the bacon, the sausage, and the pepperoni. But I'm telling you, uh, I, there I am. Now I go, I go every two weeks. Every two weeks, I go and I buy two, only two frozen home run in pizzas. You know why I buy only two? What do you think would happen if I bought more? <laughs> I'd probably eat a lot more. My pizza day is Friday. That's my cheat day. I eat pizza on Friday. I eat home run in pizza on Friday. If you're wondering, I wonder what Pastor Chris is doing right now and it's Friday, I'm at home and I'm eating frozen home run in pizza. That's what I, and I, and I, I share it with my family. I get half and the other three get the other half. But I tell you all this because I only buy two, because here's the thing, if I buy more than that, I, I'm telling you, you know, sometimes we have late hours, we have back to school last week, Pastor Dinger was gone, so I'm getting all these extra calls, all these extra things, I'm, I'm working late hours, and you know what happens is I get this itch, it happens right over here, and you know what it says? It says, Pastor Chris, you've had a long week, you've been working late hours, you've done a lot of extra, and you're hungry. I know it's only Wednesday, but you know what you need? You need a pizza. You need a frozen home run in pizza. You know why you need it? Because you deserve it. Give in to temptation because you deserve it. That's why we only have two pizzas in the house, and I go every two weeks to pick up my two pizzas. Because otherwise, that voice will say, give in to temptation because you deserve it. And temptation may look a little different for you than a frozen home run in pizza. Right? For some of us, it looks like when we go shopping, right? Or we're emotional shoppers. We've had a hard week. Things are tough. So maybe you're, you're pulling stuff off the rack and, you, and you're at the store. Or maybe you're, you're there and you're on your phone and you're scrolling and you're and adding stuff to the Amazon cart. And you know you can't afford it. You know it's not in the budget. But man, does shopping make you feel better? And you get to the point with the credit card where you say, you know what? You've had a hard week. And you deserve this. Give in to temptation. You know why? Because you deserve it. Again, it's right over here. It's that little itch right there on the back of that. That affirmation, right, that you hear. Because you deserve it. And maybe it's something else, right? For some of us, especially men, right? It'll be we, we've worked all week and then it's late at night. We've had a lot of hours. Maybe you don't feel appreciated here. You don't feel appreciated here. You don't feel appreciated at work. And what happens, it's late at night and men are in front of computer screens looking up things and watching things that they certainly should not be looking up. But you know what happens? Give in to temptation. You know why? Because you deserve it. It could be the way that we manipulate people. They upset me. I'm mad, you know, and I, and I just want to see them squirm a little bit. I want to see what kind of power I have over them. You know why? Because I deserve to be angry. So right over here it happens again. Give in to temptation. You know why? Because you deserve it. And we hear that happen time and time and time again. So when we're praying this prayer, why does Jesus say, lead us not into temptation. Pray this prayer, but deliver us from evil. So God isn't the one that's leading us into temptation. Satan, oh, he's certainly affirming your temptation, but he's not the one that's driving you over to Albertsons to pick up six pizzas, right? I didn't get in his car to drive over there. So he may affirm it, but he's not the one leading me into temptation. Oftentimes, I just have to look in the mirror, and I go, that's the guy He's the one that leads me 
into temptation. So when we pray this prayer, Lord, lead me not into temptation, we kind of get to the second point here. Lord, I ask you, when I'm led into temptation, even by myself, please don't leave me there. Please don't give me what I'm asking for, even though I deserve it. Now, hold on a second, right? That sounded like the opposite of what we wanted before. I gave it to temptation because I deserve it. What does it mean? Don't give me what I want, even though I deserve it. Some of you may have grown up like this. Maybe some of you didn't. Kind of depends on, on how parenting styles were maybe in the house. But when I, when I was growing up, right, well, in, in the, my neighborhood in Chicago, we always take pillows, pillowcases when we went out trick-or-treating. Why? Because uh, plastic sacks were not enough to hold the sheer amount and volume of candy we would get, right? We knew when you grow up in a neighborhood, who gives out the good stuff? Who's got the king-size candy bars? Who, who has, uh, this is a sin that I'm absolved of, who just leaves the bowl out? <laughs> I, I said I'm absolved. Who owed me, right? But anyway, right? So you know, where you, you know where to go and where to fill up. And what happens is you get home, and some of you check the candy, and others are, are opening up all the wrappers, and you're eating a ton of candy, whether it's late at night or Halloween wasn't your thing. Maybe it's Easter, and it's all the eggs that are full of jelly beans, and they're full of chocolate, and you're just busting out the eggs, and you're throwing them, and you're eating all these different chocolates and candies. What happens is mom or dad or a parent will say, well, hold on. Don't eat too much candy right now. Because you're going to get a stomach ache, you're going to get an upset stomach, you're probably going to throw out, better stop eating all that candy. And what do the kids do? No. Right? It's like Gollum comes out. Ah, right? Precious. And they start eating all the candy. They resist. They say, no, don't tell me what to do. And we, as parents, will go like, well, well, no, stop. And then sometimes there's the one parent that says this, what? No, 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 no. Let them have it. Right? Let them have it. But don't come crawling back to me. Don't come crying to me. Don't you come calling to me in the middle of the night when you've got a stomachache, when you've thrown up, because we already told you. And what happens? We get a stomachache. We throw up. This is not a true story from my life. It is. So, like, we get a, you have a stomachache, something happens. And what happens is I, you sit there for a moment and go, oh, hold on. This is exactly what I asked for, isn't it? Hold on, this moment right here, I'm actually getting what I deserve, aren't I? And in that moment we have, we go, well, I was told by, by my parents, I, I can't go crawling back to them. Don't come back to me. Don't come crying to me when you're living in what you deserve. Okay. Or maybe we have those, those kids that want to stay up late at night and they want to watch TV and it's like, it's time to get off the television. No, I want to stay up all night and watch TV. Let them have it. But in the morning, don't come crawling back to me. Don't come crying to me when I get you up for school and you don't want to go because I'm going to push you out the door. And If you were like me growing up, you walked every day to school, uphill both ways, no shoes, in the snow. I had shoes, but everything else is true. Um, but I had to walk every day to school, and what would happen is they'd wake you up, and it's like, oh, I'm tired. I don't want... What did I tell you? Don't come crawling back to me. And then you kind of have a moment where you go, oh, this is exactly what I asked for, isn't it? Maybe in this moment, I'm actually getting what I deserve. And we see this in our Romans passage today, Romans chapter 1, verse 28. So God gave them over to a depraved mind so that they do what ought not to be done. 
You see a lot of biblical examples of this, even if it's just a brief moment or a respite. Maybe it's in the book of Judges in this cycle of the people of God turning their back on him um, and then God restoring them. Maybe it's in Exodus, right, and we see it there. We'll talk a little bit about David and Bathsheba, right, but it's a cycle of sin, right? But what we don't see from God is this. Don't come crawling back to me. Don't come crying to me when you see what life is like without me. But there is a little moment where there's maybe a little let go of the rope. Well, you really want to see what it's like? When you get what you're asking for, when you turn your back on God, you really want to see what it's like for just a little bit? When you turn your back and you're actually getting what you asked for and getting what you deserve, well, it looks a lot like this. And with David and Bathsheba, I won't get into that story. I'd love to. We just don't quite have the time for it. Read it. First Samuel, it's awesome. But it kind of in the end of it all, David sins against not just his people, but against God. Turns his back and he says, I'm giving in to temptation. I'm taking Bathsheba for myself because I deserve it. And we sees what he, he's done is wrong. He comes to God, right, in the Psalms. I think it's Psalm 51, right? Psalm 51, he comes to, I have it in my notes, Psalm 51, if you want to write it down. He comes to God in this repentant heart saying, God, I know what I asked for. What I asked for when I turned my back on you is not just a life without you, but me taking what I want. But Lord, I'm asking you for this. Please don't give me what I deserve. Please don't give me what I deserve, because in this, what I deserve is a life apart from you. What I deserve is not to be in your presence. What I deserve is not to have your Holy Spirit with me. But he appeals to God's mercy and grace and good nature. He says, God, when I should get what I deserve, I ask you, please, don't give me what I deserve. Give me what I need. What I need is to be in your presence. What I need is your mercy, love, and grace. What I need is your salvation. What I need is that good and good, uh, merciful, graceful nature. And that's what we get in this third point over here. Don't give me what I'm asking for, please. Give me what I need. And honestly, what I need is what I don't deserve. And I'm going to kind of combine points three and four for you over here. Because what I need is what I don't deserve. So please, Lord, I ask you to give me what I need in this moment. But also, give me what I need in every moment. Give me what I need in every moment, in this one right now, but all the ones upcoming. So as we look at this, if you can go to that, go to that slide for me that has the two pictures. Very good, right? Preventative medicine. We get this idea. There's always kind of two kinds of medicine. We, in, when I was in Twin Falls, right, I was with a church. It was a fitness center, but also a church on Sunday. So we ran a gym, but we had a lot of great Christian aspects to it. We had a doctor that would come into town probably every two months, and do these things called lunch and learns for us, where the community would kind of gather, we'd provide like a, a little spread, it was kind of more like a potluck style, and he would do a presentation, it was great. And he would always tell us, like, there's two kinds of medicine out there. There's preventative medicine, and there's the medicine you need right now. Examples being, right, um, preventative medicine, it's really good for you to take your vitamins, to, to have your exercise, to have a, a healthy diet, get the right minerals going in there, uh, go for your checkups every year, make sure everything's running good. That's preventative medicine. But wouldn't it be really nice for those of us that kind of participate in preventative medicine if every month you got like a, I get a lot of junk mail, if you got like a statement of benefits every month, and when I would open that up, it would tell me all the good things that I did and what they helped me resist right? It's like, because you took your multivitamins and your minerals this month, you were able to resist three colds, uh, a stomach flu, and about a bad gas in public. Congratulations, right? And I'd get a little gold star. I'm like, awesome, right? That's a really great thing. I love I that I did my probiotics, and I got to avoid those things. Awesome. But we don't get those things, do we, with preventative medicine? So sometimes preventative medicine, 
the only times that we know is when it doesn't work. The only thing I know about preventative medicine is when it's not working. Well, hold on. Um, I came down with a cold. Hold on. I thought I took a, a shot for that. Why am I still sick? All I know is that it's not working. So now it kind of feels like a waste. I feel like I wasted my time. I wasted my money on a, on a gym membership and the organic food and all that stuff. Why did I waste my time with all this if all I did was get sick anyway? It's because we're looking at it a little bit for the wrong reasons. Because even in preventative medicine, right, you still get sick once in a while. We see this in Matthew chapter 26, right? When Jesus is uh, before the disciples, right? We see it's in the garden. And he says, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation because even though the spirit is willing, the flesh is weak. And before we kind of go into that, I want to tell you about the other kind of medicine. The other kind of medicine is this. The medicine you need in an emergency. If I'm out and I'm driving my car and I get into a car crash, and this is the example he would use, not mine, uh, and my leg is severed in the car crash, and I am gushing blood. I do not want a prescription from the doctor saying, take your multivitamin. I, I need to go to the emergency room, don't I? I need to go to the emergency room, but not only there, they might stop the bleeding, but they might even be able to reattach my leg. I need emergency care. Here's the thing. So we go back to the garden, right? We have this example of preventative care, but we also have this example of the emergency care. Because when I fall and I fail in temptation, I certainly need forgiveness. And that forgiveness that we get from Jesus and what he does on the cross for us, that's the emergency care. He saves our lives. He stops the bleeding. He restores us back to life even if I was dead. We go to the garden. Jesus says, watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The disciples, you know, I imagine they would come and they go, okay. And Jesus is a great guy. He takes his own advice, right? That would be a good call. Uh, if you go to the doctor and they give you advice that they don't do themselves, go to a different doctor. Uh, Jesus takes the advice himself. And he goes and he prays. You know, Father, not my will, your will be done. Right? That preventative care. Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. The multivitamin. Right? The good diet, the exercise, the preventative care. The disciples, however, what do they do? They go back to sleep. They nod off. So we have a really nice, uh, a really nice case over here, right? We've got a good clinical trial, so to speak. Here's the one with preventative care. Watch and pray that you will not fall into temptation. That's Jesus who literally prays against temptation. And then we have the disciples over here who do not watch and pray that they will fall into temptation. So let's kind of see how the story plays out. As it plays out, right, Jesus eventually gets to the point of the cross. Crucifixion, uh, a, a horrible death, but also the suffering and, and the, the whipping and, and the, the brutality that he goes through. The humiliation. In all of this, he withholds his own divine nature and says, Lord, not my will, your will be done. All the way to the point to the cross where he says, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. He does the will of the Father. Instead of engaging in his own will, giving in to temptation with his own will, he's able to resist it, right? The building up of his body, like preventative care would do. The building up of his body, he resists temptation and follows the will of the Father. The disciples, on the other hand, who did not watch and pray they would fall into temptation, what do they do? They scatter, right? Peter denies Jesus three times. They find themselves hiding behind locked doors for fear of the Jews. We find that they did not indeed watch and pray to fall into temptation. They indeed did the, just the last part. They fell into temptation. Yet when we do indeed fall into temptation, know this, right? We have that care we need in the moment. 
That forgiveness that we get from Jesus, we often call that absolution or justification, if you want the big fancy church word for it, where you are restored to life and what Christ has done for you, taking all of your sins, granting you forgiveness, taking what we deserve upon the cross with him and giving us indeed what we don't deserve in his forgiveness and his perfect life as he gives that to us in our resurrection. But then at the same time, he says, well, I could keep you in front of the pit so you continually fall in. Of course I'll forgive you. But Jesus says, I also have more in store for you than just that. The second process we have, it's this idea, it's the big fancy church word for preventative care. We call it like sanctification, the building up of your body, the building up of your Christian character, the building up of your discipleship in Jesus, right? He says, I want you to have vitamins. I want you to have minerals. I want you to be able to not just uh, fall into temptation every time there's a pit. I would like to help build that resistance, right? We see it in Paul's. He gives us this idea in Ephesians 6 of the armor of God as we, as we put all that on, and that's participating in your Christian life and the Word um, through not just like journaling, but also devotions, or, you know, reading Scripture, but participating in Christian community like you're doing now, but I'm preaching at you, which is great. Woo! But you should also be participating in Christian community with one another, right? Building up one another, sharing in the world, sharing in, in, in Christian life, that building up that preventative care. So we have this prayer, right? Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lord, when I, I take myself and I walk into temptation too easily, please don't leave me there. Don't leave me to a depraved mind. Don't leave me in this state. But I ask you, Lord, to help me build that resistance. Build me in Christian community. Leave me not there, but deliver me from it. That's the last part, and this is kind of where we're closing here. Deliver me from temptation. Free me from it. Take me out of that and put me somewhere else. Build up my Christian character. Build me up in the only way that God can, right? So as we kind of get to the conclusion of this, we have the whole totality of the Lord's Prayer. Every part of it being a petition that you can actually not just pray that prayer itself, which is beautiful, but you can take a lot of parts of your own prayer and apply it right onto there like Jesus does in that Matthew 26 reading in kind of this form of your own personal prayer. So as you pray that prayer that the Lord taught us, Apply some of your life on there. Lord, where are the ways that I'm led into temptation? I'm asking you to save me from. Lord, in the ways that you provide for me for daily bread and forgiveness, where are the ways that I'm withholding that from others? Lord, in the way that you are separate and that you are holy and that you are good, what are some ways that I'm actually not looking on you with good favor and talking about you being holy and good and being God for me? It's kind of as we conclude here, right? I'd actually like to close with the Lord's Prayer. I know we did it already, and I'm throwing Aubrey a curveball right now. She's going to find it for you. But I'm going to invite the worship team forward kind of as, as we close. But let's bow our head together in the Lord's Prayer. And again, remember, this is provided to you by Jesus himself, who not just gave you a set of instructions saying, I don't do this, but it would certainly be good for you. He says, I've used it myself. I've used it in the garden. I've used it for your sake as well. So let's go ahead. As we pray this prayer that the Lord taught us, take some of that personal heartfelt application, all those parts of the Lord's calling to you as we've walked through it these weeks. And see what Jesus does and moves in your heart. Let's go ahead and start together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 
If you have any questions or comments, email them to podcast at gracepocatello.org. And make sure to subscribe to our channel to stay up to date on sermons and classes at Grace Lutheran Church in Pocatello, Idaho. This podcast is designed so that you can take grace with you anywhere you go. Thank you.